0: Hi, this is Dr. Adrian. Welcome to Health Bite, the podcast where we explore all things health and wellness. Welcome back to Health Bite, our podcast where we talk about all things health and wellness. I'm so honored today to have a special guest with us, Nitika Chopra. She is the founder and CEO of a unique organization called Chronicon. And she's here to share with us her personal story and uh, segue into the world of health and wellness. So welcome, Nitika. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Great. So I always like to start with um, our guests sharing their, their intro into this world of you know health and wellness and well-being and i know you have a very personal story what interested you to be um active in this in this space
1: sure yeah i so i was diagnosed with psoriasis at the age of 10 and then psoriatic arthritis at the age of 19. and um so i'm not a practitioner i'm a patient you know and i think that that is a unique perspective um And I've been doing work, you know, around content creation and talking about self-love or self-care and, you know, overall well-being and mindfulness and things like that for 10 or 11 years now. But I would say maybe at the end of 2017, so a few years ago, I... Kind of, I think, honestly, with everything going on in the country and in the world, like things just felt so much more, um, you know, on, it felt like being on the surface, like was no longer acceptable, I guess is like the best way for me to put it. And I'm not an on the surface person anyway, but I think in my work, I had sort of steered away from talking about my health a lot. I had sort of, steered away from making that, you know, a huge part of my platform. I think a lot of people with chronic conditions can relate that like, you don't really want your whole life to be about being sick. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of push pull within myself around not wanting to do that for a really long time. And then in 2017, I think with everything that had happened in the country and that continues to happen, honestly, um, yeah, I think I just, the suffering that people were going through was just like so much more palpable than it had been before for me. And so I started talking about it. I started talking about my health in a different way and I had never hidden it. I had, I wasn't hiding it. Um, you know, it was on my about page. Like, it's not like people didn't know, or I had any shame around it. It was more that I didn't, um, as I said, I didn't want it to be like my whole identity. But in 2017, I just kind of took a leap and started talking about it more. And in doing research, realized that there are over 133 million Americans that have a chronic illness. And Yes, it's a staggering number. Yeah. And yes. like most of us feel completely alone in it, but that number is so high. I think that was just like a really huge, you know, turning point for me when I realized that. And I started talking about it all the time.
0: That there was an opportunity, really, an opportunity that was unmet, despite the vast numbers of people affected. Absolutely. Ninika, it really is a unique perspective that you have, um, particularly because you were diagnosed so young, right, and so when we think about chronic illnesses, Um, we tend to, and and maybe this is my bias as an internist, as an adult physician, but we tend to think of chronic illnesses that come about in adulthood that people have to live with, but we forget that there are so many children that are faced with chronic illnesses. And I'm really intrigued by how you had this insight. I know it was a process that didn't happen at age 10, but I'm intrigued by how you had the insight into Uh, Using this as a platform to to be active and to help people as opposed to really um, falling under the Burden of dealing with chronic illness at such a young age. Can you talk a little bit about that? transformation Yeah, um That actually did happen at a
1: young age. Although I didn't know how to Express it. I didn't know like what it was supposed to look like in the world um, I'm a very spiritual person and I know in medicine, that's not always very popular, but, um, that's, uh, I,
0: dis- I disagree, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. It's not face forward, but I love that you bring that up. Yeah,
1: yes, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm very spiritual and that's just kind of been who I've been my whole life, I think. Um, and especially when I got sick, it just, It brought it out in me that much more. I did feel so alone and I did feel like no one knew what I was going through. So I felt like my spiritual connection was something that really helped me in really dark times. And when I was 15, I, um, I remember this story often and I, it was a really, one of the first lowest times in my life for sure. And I was being bullied in school and you know, I was getting in a lot of trouble at home because no one really understood the um, the internal situation that was going on with having psoriasis. You know, Everybody at that time still felt like it was just a skin disease. It didn't understand. It was systemic. Yeah. And like autoimmune issues that came with it. And so I was never really able to focus at school and being from an Indian background, that was obviously very challenging for my parents and- You know, it was just like, and then I felt like my body was really turning on me in every way. So it was all of these things. And I remember when I was 15 years old, I was crying to God in one of those, you know, teenage moments. And I was just kind of like, I don't think I can do this. Like I I wasn't ever going to harm myself or anything like that. But at one of those moments that I was like, I just don't know. I don't think I meant, I don't, I just like, I just can't, I just can't do this. And the message that I got back, that was clear as day was a message that said, this is not about you. Hmm. And it still like brings tears to my eyes. When I tell that story, it was so long ago now, but, um, it gives me chills (laughs) to hear it. It didn't make a lot of sense to like the 15 year old me, you know, like I didn't, I mean, there was no internet really, or like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like I knew anyone who was an author or, or you know, a YouTuber or anything right. like So I didn't know what that meant, but that message carried me through the rest of my life and still carries me through my life today. And what would happen was when I would get to a low point then again, and when I would get into a really bad flare up or feel really hurt or really upset, I would go back to that. And I would say, okay, I don't understand what you mean, God, but I know like how I know my first name is Nitika. I know that this is true. So like, I'm going to spend my time trying to figure out like, what does this mean? Like, what did you mean when you told me this? That's beautiful.
0: You know, and I think that's so, it's so relevant right now. Um, Perhaps many of the listeners can't um, commiserate in having been diagnosed with a chronic illness uh, and those who have haven't had to deal with it like you did from such a young age. But I think the present moment where people are grappling with pandemic and some variation of staying at home and concerned about their health Uh, you know, physical, emotional, financial uh, health and well-being, people are really burdened right now. They're really burdened in the way that maybe you were burdened with that diagnosis or with that knowledge. And I think it's helpful to hear your story and maybe even more for you to elaborate more on how you were able to be with that burden, right? You can't Eliminate it. Unfortunately, it is there. The diagnosis is there. The symptoms are there. But how you can be with it without um, fighting and struggling against it, and using it to um, to create meaning, really to create meaning out of something that's difficult. Um, how would you relate what you learned in your personal experience to maybe even what you're experiencing right now in this difficult time, being? Um, also a population that perhaps is even more susceptible to coronavirus and COVID. How do you deal with that? Uh, how do you sit with that difficulty and yet not, not be overburdened by it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's such a powerful, you know, this like exploration, you know, I think that's actually what a lot of life is is about. And I have a podcast as well called The Point of Pain. And that's why I created it because I do believe that the points of pain that we have in our life are some of our greatest teachers. And they in those moments carry some of the deepest wisdom that we have, you know, in this lifetime. But a lot of times as humans, and I'm guilty of this too, it's not like I was sitting there at 15, like, okay, I'm going to meditate now for the rest of my life and eat kale and like, just be perfect or something. That's not at all what happened. Yeah, not at all. I still love, oh, I didn't do this. Or like, I need to go to, to the bank or I need to make sure I get groceries or I need to do, you know, all these other things. And and yeah. And so I feel that pain and we are in a moment of. Tremendous pain and suffering right now, we all are right, whether you're incredibly blessed and privileged like so many are, or you're in a tremendously um, challenging moment that really has brought you to your knees personally it is it is we are surrounded by pain constantly right now, and I think it's actually been that way for a while, but every day it's being unearthed more and more and more and more and more so I think for me, I think a part of the dance of that is sometimes allowing myself to be in the pain, you know, like over the weekend, you know, uh, like it was, it was just been like a really dark, you know, week or so, especially, and I feel like over the weekend, um, I just kind of let myself eat gluten-free bagels and, um, you know, watch movies and, Just sort of um, go inward and and not try to be transformed. Like sometimes I'll have conversations with my friends and be like, honey, I'm not going to be transformed right now. Like this is just, you know, this is just how I feel. I'll be transformed tomorrow, but that's not where I'm at right now. And having that grace with ourselves that we're not always going to have everything in a pretty bow, I think is a huge part of it that's really helpful.
0: Um, I think yeah, this, the the concept of the the practice or the dance, I like how you, you say it, but that all of this is really a practice, right? And that sometimes we're feeling more um, emboldened by it and strong in our practice. And sometimes we're not. And what I often see and in my work, because I pr- primarily uh, work with people in um, health and medical weight loss. So a lot of times it's coming to, Lose weight as a means to deal with a chronic condition like diabetes or hypertension or something like that. I find that that the the moments in which they feel people feel burdened or like it's extra challenging or they're struggling with it, it is not a point of connection like you say, but a point of disconnect. And I think that the the primary uh, nugget of information there, the pearl there, is recognizing that everybody faces that moment of struggle. And if we can just be with it and, and overcome it, you know, or allow it to pass rather, maybe is a better way of putting it, that we can get to the other side um, rather than um, subjecting ourselves to maybe self-deprecation or why didn't I or why couldn't I, which will always lead us the other way. Yeah. And I actually think that's so great that you, that you bring it into the weight loss
1: conversation. Cause that's actually a really, that's something I think about often. And I think when you have a chronic illness, your weight can fluctuate a lot, um, based on so many different factors, whether it's inflammation or even people who have like my mom has celiac, like she loses a lot of weight, you know, that cause her body doesn't digest nutrients in the right way and stuff, you know, and for me, that's been a huge point of needing to surrender for sure, because which is what I'm hearing what you're saying, because I've gone on these really like very diligent, I would say strict um diets multiple times for for health reasons, not to lose weight. Probably happened like five or six times in my life and all the all with doctors, and I've lost. 25 pounds in two months, like every single time. And so my body has shown me that it knows how to lose weight. But the last time that this happened, I noticed like my hair started falling out. I noticed I wasn't sleeping well. I noticed that all of these other things were happening that had never happened before. So I've been on a journey over the last like two years or so since that happened of just accepting my body at like where it is and trying not to force it to be smaller than it's meant to be. Let me tell you, if if anything is going to teach you how to surrender, especially I think women really deal with that a lot. I'm not saying they don't at, at all, but um, I think for women it, it is a bit more layered.
0: Um,
1: it's been a huge teacher for me.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that I could pick up on, and and first to say that girl, you don't have to have inflammation to have weight fluctuations, right? I mean, that's everyone's experience, or most most people on planet Earth, particularly right now, where um, you know our routines are upended and people are using food as a way for soothing and comfort. Um, but I think this what comes to mind as I hear you talk is is trying to walk this middle ground, uh, you know, this middle line between not being extreme and losing 25 pounds in two months, and yet not being overindulgent and gaining uh, weight, right? So, can we accept that weight is and the food that we eat and the way that we nourish ourselves is important? So to say that I'm going to be kind to myself by just going with every indulgence is actually not kindness because you're not you are not caring for your body even if in the moment it feels yum right <laughs> it feels good and it's also not kindness to be so um, you know so dogmatic so you know tight in, in this process of of trying to achieve a goal of and losing weight so quickly right there's something in the middle and I always try to encourage my patients to you know manage manage their expectations which speaks to what you said you know everybody is different not every body was meant to be a size two so manage your expectations know where you're coming from And second, and very importantly, meet yourself where you're at, because if you're already wishing to be something else, there's no starting point. You have to be able to meet yourself where you're at with kindness in order to begin that process. And then again, three, towing that middle line, which is so tough because it's much harder to be extreme. You know, I I will vouch for that in many aspects of my life. It's much easier to be at the edges than in the middle. So that's, it's very important. And it's, and food really, which is w- why I love doing what I do. It's not just about weight loss. I love what I do because food is a microcosm of such a bigger struggle that we are facing and living well. Our struggle with food, how we eat, how we care and nurture ourselves through nutrients really has a bigger meaning. So tell me a little bit about, um, Tell me a little bit about how you've used food, not for weight loss, but how do you use food or how do you use nourishment to heal yourself? And I like to use the word nutrients more broadly to not just include food, but to talk about all the other ways we nourish ourselves, sleep, meditation, mindfulness, what have you. Yeah, I
1: so I have a definition of self-love that kind of speaks to this. Because I always felt like people would talk about self love and it felt very esoteric to me. I was just like, what is that? Like, do I have to drink green juice or do a downward dog or like, what does this mean? <laughs> right. um, you know? And so I always say that self love is your ability to be more committed to your happiness than to your suffering in every single moment. Mm-hmm. And Some people find the word happiness or suffering triggering, so you can always include your own words. But for me, it was really that. It was really like there were moments, like you were talking about when you were asking me about not getting sucked into the pain. You know, there are moments when that suffering and that pain is very alluring and I need need to go there. And then there are moments when I'm staring the pain in the face and I'm like, okay, I I want more for myself right now. I want to feel nourished right now. And it doesn't mean that that takes away what my body is going through in this moment, but I'm going to choose something that feels nourishing and of like a higher vibration, if you could, if you will. So to me, that really helped me make it tangible. And so that includes so many things, right? Like, Some days it includes, like, I made a ton of kale for breakfast and, like, and an egg and, like, a delicious oat milk latte at home. And I was like, this is so nourishing and feels so great. Um, And then other days it's making sure that I see a friend. Of course, that's harder with COVID, but I have found friends that are safe to see that we're kind of, like, in a little pod together sometimes being mindful of that, you know, and making sure that those social interactions are happening with people that really make me feel nourished. Um, and yeah. And I think the reason why I say like in every single moment is cause it is kind of that, right? Like after I do this podcast, I'm probably going to like rest or do some emails and chill out for a little bit and make, make, sure I drink lots of water, you know? So it sounds really trivial in a lot of ways. Like when people are just showing that you're, they're doing this maybe on Instagram, but it is this moment to moment practice. And it also is like having so much compassion for yourself in the moments when you're not able to do it. Right. That's also a part of it.
0: Yeah. You know, you brought up uh, the whole maybe paradox of uh, doctoring and spirituality and uh, you know, to be fair, I I have to admit that even though I always had this approach with my patients. So when it was behind closed doors, one-on-one, we always went there, but the way I was trained and kind of the dogma I operated under uh, has always been very Western medicine, right? Prescriptions. Um, and in the last few years, as I have opened myself up to what I always was doing, you know, sometimes I prescribe books, sometimes I prescribe podcasts. Um, last week, I actually literally wrote a prescription. Uh, For a patient to go to the pound and get a dog. So I define (laughs) prescribing in much broader terms. But in this process, I also learned about mindfulness meditation and small experiences or seemingly trivial, to use your words, experiences like morning coffee, which I absolutely adore. (laughs) Right? If you can really enjoy and savor that moment. Um, or being in the shower. And I love scalding hot showers. And a lot of times it's quick, right? I finish a workout and to get in the shower and then get to work or get the kids to school or what have you. But I have learned to slow down in those moments. And even if it's like 30 seconds of being like, dang, this water feels good. It really truly does change your perspective. And I think until you do it, It sounds a little wooey and hokey because I think, you know, maybe five years ago while I was running around dealing with small children and, you know, my, my practice, um, you know, being a director of a big program, if someone told me to like savor hot water in the shower, I probably would have like spit in their face. I don't know, but it really is a practice. Um, and you can train yourself, which speaks to the process of it. It's a training to be able to do that, and to this day, I feel like even though I talk about it a lot, there are days where I do want to spit in somebody's face if I hear it, you know, because I'm not there. But then there's days that when I embrace it, it really does set the tone and change my perspective.
1: Yeah, I think that's why I say like it's being committed. Like the word commitment to me is really powerful in this scenario, especially because you know, commitments. Commitments can look different during the day, like they're not always going to look the exact same. But there's that overwhelming or overarching sense of like, that is my goal. So I'm going to do whatever I can to get to that. And I'm sure you work with that, you know, with your patients too. It's like, I'm going to do what I can to get to that goal. And I am committed to that goal, but it's not going to look the same every day, you know, and, and having that grace and that understanding, I think is super important.
0: You know, that process again, brings me back to, um, the journey of, of weight loss, not to harp on this point, but I know it's something that look, 80% of our population is dealing with excess weight. And. Uh, right now, you can't you can't go through your feed without seeing memes about the COVID 15 or the COVID 20, which I actually don't love uh, when I see those sorts of things. But but it speaks to the fact that it's out there <clears throat> and that people are concerned about it, and it's on it's present in people's minds. And I think what doesn't come across when you're going through your feed and you see people who post themselves you know, uh, 50 pounds lighter than they used to be, or, you know, drinking their smoothie and their workout gear. Um, What doesn't come across is that this is such a process, you know, and there are times in your life that no matter who you are, that you're really aligned with that goal and you're able to work towards it in a consistent manner. And there are times that you get sidelined. And right now, a lot of people are sidelined. And What I have found in my own practice is that the the presence of this concerning, you know, epidemic and worry about their health and and fear about, you know, again, finances and everything else that we've discussed, all these other things that are present on people's minds, have driven them in two directions, either to be really committed and committed with conviction about addressing their health and wellness goals, or being really overwhelmed and you know out of the game. And I wanna tell both those people, you're gonna find yourself on the other side. To those of you who are super committed, that's wonderful. But accept that you may get tripped up and that's okay. That doesn't have to define you. And to the people who are tripped up presently, it's okay to be there and know that you can get back to that overarching goal as you speak of um, but you have to allow yourself if you're too much in the headspace of again um badgering yourself and again not meeting yourself where you're at, it makes it that much more harder to understand and to be with that process, that journey. yeah, I totally
1: agree with that, and I think that is a process of, you know, self kindness and acceptance. It's not even so much about the goal. It's just like, can I just be nice to myself (laughs) enough to say like, it's okay, you know? And, and I think, um, it's important for us to not be so like totalitarian with the way that we think about everything in our lives too. And I think I definitely, you know, I can be very all or nothing with my thinking. Sometimes it's something that I really work on because I feel like I do want to live more in that, you know, stable just one step at a time, you know, straightforward kind of approach and and having that divine connection really helps me, but yeah, it's a journey.
0: <laughs> Can you talk about some of the um practices or maybe even some of the projects that you have um well, first, first question is really the practices. So, tell me a little bit about the the practices that you engage in that help keep you in that space. Creative practices that you do outside of, you know, what you've already discussed.
1: Yeah, I think there's just sort of a a general flow to my days, and I know it's it's definitely changed with COVID. But I think um, I've I've learned certain things about myself, right? Like just even. Knowing that if I sleep past a certain time, which is really easy to do when we're in the middle of this weird uh, pandemic, especially I'm single and I, I don't have kids that I have to like jump up for, right? That's a whole other thing. But um, yeah, I've just noticed that like if I don't wake up by, which might sound late to some people, <laughs> but by like 8 a.m., you know, between 7 and 8, I don't feel good. Um, I feel gross and off balance. I feel like I, it just doesn't make me feel good. So starting my day and waking up at a time that feels good is really important.
0: Um, Routine, right? Setting a routine. Yeah. Like I make my bed
1: every morning. I also listen to a lot of like soothing soft music while I'm making my bed and getting my coffee together. It's for me, I I talk a lot about how like stress reduction is kind of the way that I live my life. Um, And I think for other people, it might look differently, but, having two autoimmune diseases and also being a new yorker and also being in the current you know climate of the world and you know COVID and everything i think stress reduction is really important
0: and these are practices uh sorry to interrupt but these are practices because i can imagine you know maybe a person who is a mom of three and has it like a work from home situation might um you know might rolling their eyes at this Um, but you don't have to I mean you can still take the two to three minutes to put on soothing music and make your bed or make your coffee you know something that you're doing anyway and again incorporate that moment of peace into your chaotic day-to-day so it doesn't you don't it doesn't have to be again all or nothing right
1: To bring up, like, I'm I'm not a mom. You know, I live by myself. I think it's I've designed my life to support these things, and I know even like the things that I suggest, they're all free things. They're things that, um, like even putting on the music. You know, you don't have to get anyone's permission to put on that music. Uh,
0: it's accessible to everybody yeah. to have those moments. To me, yeah. You know?
1: okay. So so finding those different ways throughout the day, and then. Trying to find some sort of movement, you know, having arthritis movement has always been a bit of a challenge for me to get in a routine about. But even if it's like going, I live close to Central Park, so going to Central Park for a three mile walk, you know, during the day is super helpful and really, really helps me feel good. Um and also gets my creative energy going. I'll probably go for a walk actually after after we record this. Um and then I would say routines around food are super important as well, you know, or I back. Saturday, like I you know was able to warm up my asparagus and chicken for lunch and like, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so all those things are a part of that.
0: yeah, I think that that's a great point to make because one of the issues that have I think led to um, kind of a, a drop in people's emotional and mental well-being is the absence of routines uh, and the absence of those things we hated, you know, like the traffic. In Los Angeles to get to work, something that drove me crazy. I crave those punctuations now—the uh, ability to kind of have a transition from home to work, work to home. Now that I'm spending much of my time t- doing telemedicine, so I, I think routine and implementing routine into your life, even though uh, it has been somewhat upended, is very important in in wellness and and well being. So, and the final point that I do want to reiterate that you don't the fact that you are not a mom or maybe work from home and are an entrepreneur uh, should not um, alienate those who don't have your lifestyle because these are tangible and very practical tools that everyone even uh, you know me as a mother of three you know uh, physician slash entrepreneur I used to say I don't have time or I can't but I've realized that it was just a matter of priorities. And now that I want to, I can and I will. And so I do encourage people to kind of maybe use that as our take home message of, yes, you can, if you make yourself a priority and uh, implement these small but effective strategies towards your health and well-being. So thank you for bringing that up.
1: No, of course. And I also think like one of the most important parts of this is, going on the journey to knowing yourself enough to know what those things are that you really need. Like not everybody. I'm a very, I love music so much. I'm a very, you know, audible learner and all those different things. So music was a huge one for me. And like my oat milk latte in the morning is like life. Death, it feels like sometimes I love, it. you know, but not like, not everybody's a coffee drinker. Not everybody cares about music. Not everybody like,
0: you know, like maybe they have a partner and their partner's in bed when they wake up. So
1: that's but everyone
0: can find that place, right? Everyone can find what that, what that it factor is, right. That will, that will soothe them and nourish them. So I love that. And all of that, well, I could talk to you for days, but I'm going to let you get to your walk in Central Park. That sounds exquisite. Thank you so much, Nitika, for being here and for sharing your story with us and your practices. I think that it was very heartfelt and meaningful to our listeners. Let us know, uh, let us know, how can we learn more? How can our listeners learn more about you? Because you do have a lot of projects happening.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, Yeah, so the best place is to go to at Chronicon Official on Instagram. Um, And in our bio, we have linked out our newsletter, which is weekly called The Chronicles. And we have the Point of Pain podcast there. And we're updating our website and gonna have an awesome new hub for all things Chronicon uh, in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, the Instagram is a great place to start.
0: Wonderful. So we'll direct to our listeners there. And um, you can also learn more about us and the Health by Podcast at uh, Dell Nutrition and Dr. Adrian Udeem on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify to hear past episodes and to keep a lookout for new ones. So thank you again, Nitika. And um, I hope we talk again soon.